0: The following audio comes from the National Making Forum by discipleship.org. The theme was relationships, and Global Discipleship Initiative hosted a track called Turning Your Church into a Making Mission. Greg Ogden facilitated this track for their team, and he has provided a quick one-page summary of how their organization advises people to start what they call micro-discipleship groups. They spell it all out in just one page. And that one-page PDF is available for download through discipleship.org global. That's discipleship.org global. Now here's today's track session from Global Discipleship Initiative. Hey, somebody, who, who, who will do this one for us? Who can do
1: us a purple, purple car? <coughs> who wants to do the purple car? Raise your hand. Okay, I'm calling on you.
0: <laughs>
1: I heard somebody say purple car over here. You 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 understand the purple car? Somebody do the purple car for me.
0: What is it? Relational environment is you have a group of four people, male or female, but not together. Right. And uh, because you can't guys aren't gonna share with women, women aren't gonna share deeply with guys, and so you're you're committed.
1: Good. So here, here's a relational environment. And we're saying that discipleship takes place really well there. I think God intends for us to grow in groups. We don't grow well by ourselves, not nearly so well. We you get in a group of guys and they they'll they'll be, hold you accountable. They'll keep you on course. They're not gonna let you get away with anything. I had one of my guys and I was telling this yesterday, one of the guys in the group didn't want to do the homework. He wanted to Audit the course, you know, he didn't want to do the homework. He didn't want to memorize anything. He had his excuses and whatever came to the group. The guy says no way that ain't going to happen. <laughs> they just wouldn't, they wouldn't let him get away with it. They said, and So he, he did the work and, and did fine. Uh, but guys will hold guys accountable that way, and that's a rich thing. Plus, everybody shares ideas. So we learn from everybody. The Holy Spirit speaks to you, 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 and me. And we share our idea, and we're all learning from each other. So my book, when I finish my answer book, has four answers, not just one. And when I'm going on to to try to do this with the next group, I've got multiple answers. I've got some real good stuff here that I can share. And I've done 17 groups now, and I'm still adding stuff to my, my book, my margins or whatever, you know, because somebody says it better than I do. Uh, so your relational environment, very, very a st- a strong part of this whole concept. Second part, who's this? Somebody? Draw a leader, somebody's driving. <laughs> okay, what's he gonna do? What's his responsibility, you suppose? Well, facilitate he's Facilitate. Okay. He's not teacher. He's just a facilitator. Good. Anything else? I think just lay out the vision for what's going to happen. Okay. He's the guy that probably has the vision for it, and and maybe he's been through one already. And so he knows where it's going. He's going to lay it out to the other guys and challenge them to be a part of this thing. What else? Anything else?
0: Yeah. Uh, I think it's... Critical that the, the, the purpose of this micro group is, is very clear right from the start.
1: Absolutely, the that it's to make disciples. To We're going to make disciples, disciples. right? So right. That's, that's key. So you got to sell this vision and it's understanding. It's, it's, it's the message of Christ. You know, going to all we want to make disciples, and I mean, He told us to do this. There's not an option for us if you're a follower of Christ. If you're following, you got to be doing this, right? Um, so he's the one that lays that out and says, this is what we're doing. Guys, come on, let's, let's go together. And he's the one, and this is the hardest part, who coordinates the schedules. <laughs> okay. When are you available? When are you available? When are you, and, you, and next week you can't meet? Oh, when you can you meet? And so that guy has to, you know, be responsible for that. Getting the group together. Okay, good. Uh, reproducible process. What's that represent? The curriculum. Curriculum. Thank you. Tell us about it. Uh, you need one that can be used accessible, okay. and that's going to be used from here on out. Uh, yeah. That, that reproducible process is our curriculum. We had a guy yesterday said, you know, I like to do this one-on-one. I just like to use the Bible. Well, that's great. But the guys in your group may not be able to pull that off. They may not be comfortable. But when you've got a book like this, it's reproducible. He's He's got all the answers. When it comes time for him to start his group, he's got it right here. So he's got a roadmap. And, and all this is is Christianity 101. one. You know, Greg did a great job in putting it here, but there's nothing genius about it except that God, you know. <laughs> <Pardon>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just good material, and it's, and, and it's what every d- disciple needs to know. Uh, Jim Pottman has a white book. We call this a blue book. Jim Potman has a white book. White, the, the white book is what happens in a person as they're becoming a disciple, but it's not the curriculum that of that, uh, what a disciple needs to know. Uh, this is what this is. So I use Jim's book after I use this one. Then I take, you know, I, I stay in touch with my guys as they're doing their groups, and I'm using Jim's book, you know, a lot of times. Uh, so, but this is this is the, the reproducible process. And what do you get on the other end? Successful journey. Uh, you got disciple makers, and that's what we're trying to produce: disciple makers.
2: Um, yeah. This is this is a an essentially a renewal process from within the context of the church. So if you want to see uh, people multiplying as disciple makers uh, and within the context of a local church and ministry, this is what this is designed uh, to do, to be a part of that process. Because the vast majority of our people have never been intentionally discipled, certainly not been given the wherewithal to disciple others. Uh, one of the exercises we used yesterday was, uh, so imagine some some new converts uh, in your church and the pastor walks up to some random person on the patio on, on Sunday morning and says, hey, Joe's a new believer. Uh, why don't you take him and bring him under your wing and walk with him for the next year and help him grow to faith in Christ and that, oh, your job isn't done until that person can reproduce as well. How many people in your churches could do that? What would the response be if you walked up to somebody on a <laughs> Sunday morning and said, you know, adopt this person into your, under your I would fast, guess the vast majority of our people would say, what do I do, you know, yeah. how, do, how do I do that? I don't know what, where are you going to start? And Greg, uh, that's, that what, that's what
1: really changed our church, I think, yeah. was that we, we were giving people a tool that they could use uh, to disciple others. And when they found out how to do it, they wanted to do it yeah. and found great joy in doing it. So yeah, that's, that's cool. Okay.
2: So one way, just to kind of review quickly where we where we have come uh, in our in our time together, you have a sheet uh, in front of you that says "Making Disciples" at the top of it, lesson one uh, in Discipleship Essentials. Uh, the way that Discipleship Essentials is laid out with 25 lessons uh, is that it starts with what we call a core truth or a theme of the lesson. It's you will see that it's written in a quote catechism format, a question answer format and uh, it captures the central theme of what you're going to be doing in that lesson. Uh, There are three other parts. Uh, If you look at the material, there's a memory verse uh, to get tucked away in your spirit uh, and with some questions uh, around the memory verse. There's a biblical study, inductive study, to be done and then a a reading but this is the first part. So this is what I want you to do. Um, you can see here on the screen, read through the core truth. The question and answer, what is discipling? Discipling is an intentional relationship in which we walk alongside other disciples in order to encourage, equip, and challenge one another in love to grow towards maturity in Christ. This includes equipping the disciple to teach others as well. Uh, maybe that word is not the best best chosen because we're not asking people to be teachers in the sense of sitting authoritatively in a group and explaining scripture. Um, but be a facilitator, a guide, take people through a process uh, of mutual discovery together. So take some moments. Um, what words or phrases jumped out to you? Put them in your own words. Interact over what you saw as important. So I'm just going to ask you to spend some quiet time here reading that question and answer. Circle, underline uh, any keywords or phrases that you can see under the first item there. Rewrite some of those keywords or phrases in your own words. What do you think is being said here? And then I'm going to ask you to find a a partner just to share with. uh, So you can see that the whole material starts with, we're equipping you to be disciplers. I want to set the agenda from the very get-go here. So give you some moments of quiet, and then uh, we'll uh, share together, and then keep moving uh, in terms of our content. I'll show you where we are on the outline as as we go. Okay, you're a brilliant group. I know you're probably ready already to talk about this, but uh, so uh, try to turn you know, in pairs or, th- or threes. Uh, just share with each other what keywords came out and, and uh, what do you think those words are meaning. And uh, uh, some of you look like you're already working on restating it in your own words and all that stuff. But, uh, so go ahead and uh, find somebody to talk with around you, if you would. Uh, you know, Move your bodies a little bit if you have to. Uh, twist and twist
1: around.
2: Oh. All right, let me uh, jump in and see where we are. Thank you. So, what did you notice? What uh, what stood out to you in this working definition of discipling? Uh, yeah.
1: It's the intentional part that it has to be proactive. It doesn't happen by accident. You have to plan it, put it on a calendar, and be accountable to keep doing it or all it'll stop.
2: That's a pretty darn good summary <laughs> of what the word intentional is. Uh, we say purposeful, e- even covenantal would be an, another word that you could put into intentional there because we do make have a covenant that's at the corner corner at the core of what we are are doing together people have to gather around mutual expectations that states the the agreements in the relationship and uh and that's a way to hold each other accountable to that to that covenant. So that's intentionality versus, as you say, haphazard. Yeah, hey, let's get together when we can. You know, mm-hmm. um, and you never get together, do you? <laughs> okay. What else? What as you move through that definition? What else jumped out to you? Walk
0: alongside.
2: Walk alongside. What does that mean to you?
0: Can't do it alone.
2: Okay. You
0: know, we were created for community. We can't, Amen. can't okay. be a Christian in isolation. So, you and have it. to have other
2: people. No solo discipleship?
0: That's right. No Lone Ranger Christians.
2: No Lone no Ranger Christians? Okay. All right. Yeah. Yes.
0: No pointing fingers.
2: No pointing fingers. Where, where do you see that? <laughs> in, that in, in the walk alongside? Yeah. Okay. That's good. So, that's the implication of that is yeah. that. Uh, I'm not better than you, uh, the kind of thing. I've mm-hmm. I've arrived at a certain state of spirituality, and maybe you will somehow attain to my level at some point in time. You know, <laughs> at, the, at some yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So just let me underscore that. This is intentionally non-hierarchical. Okay. If you caught that in that phrase, there, there was a very. Strong reason why I wrote it that way, and I'll, I'll get into that a little bit later in terms of why this model uh, is not hierarchical. It's more of a peer relationships, peers discipling peers uh, in each other. And you might say, well, you know, didn't Jesus have an authority relationship over his disciples? Yes, he did. Um, but uh, I like to say, authority is not necessarily based upon position; it's based upon character. Uh, so, I will have an impact to the extent that there's something in my life that is worth copying, worth emulating. I don't have to have positional authority to have that kind of, uh, in a sense, moral or spiritual authority uh, in my life. So uh, it's meant to share with each other. It also means that at any given moment, I'm a student. <laughs> uh, I'm learning from somebody else, no matter where they are in their walk, because this happens all the time, and this kind of mutuality of give and take in this kind of kind of relationship so as Ralph said we're oftentimes taking notes on what other people have said or or just you know wonderful insights that people have or issues that they're there yeah do you realize that Paul had no disciples he never used the language of discipleship Mm -hmm. Uh, after the book of Acts the language of discipleship drops out Mm -hmm. and uh, Paul uses Christ in you um you know he does use that phrase follow me as i follow christ you know uh in that and that's that sense but uh he, he never uses the word disciple he does talk about some kingdom language but now that the holy spirit has come it's christ in you uh, that uh, is the focus So the whole is, there's the debate within the church today between discipleship and spiritual formation you probably have heard that kind of language d- debate and i just simply say the Disci- Discipleship language is language of the Gospels and the Book of Acts, and spiritual formation is language of, of the letters, basically, within because post-Holy Spirit uh, coming, so that, that kind of distinction. That's there. Okay, what else do you see here? Toward, grow toward maturity in Christ. Uh, what does that impl- imply?
0: It means that there's some life transformation taking place. Okay. And light bulbs
2: are clicking on. <laughs> uh, yeah, Okay. So the, there's a certain incremental growth yeah. here It doesn't happen all at once. And you're going toward maturity in Christ. Will we ever fully arrive? State of completion? Uh, unless you have good Methodist theology. <laughs> this is our Methodist brother over here. I, I'm sure you don't uh, you believe in full sanctification. <laughs> we're going on to perfection. No, we're going, going on to perfection, okay. So that, we can put that language in here, too. <laughs> okay, great. Um if what else? One of the wrong goal, yeah. maturity, but also to reproduce. Reproduce, yeah. So this includes equipping the disciple to, so built into the definition of discipling and discipleship is we want we're moving towards that goal of empowering God's people to be disciples of others. And that would be the the universal the desire to take place there. Ralph, anything else you wanted to add no, at that's this good. point? That's great. Okay. So just wanted to catch us up on that. That's the working definition if you're working with discipleship essentials. And, so, that, and, is,
1: there, and that is the first page. That's a page right out of the book. So yeah. that's that's the format that this book has. It starts, every chapter starts with the core truth, scripture, and then just taking that core truth apart. And then you go into a uh, diagnostic on the verse itself and So, yeah, in and, and the next page. So.
2: Yeah. You okay, them, so and where we are on our outline here, we're on page four, about three-quarters of the way down the page. Uh, so the nature of this workshop is that we're trying to develop things incrementally and create a, a big picture. challenge of these kind of workshops is people coming in and out and that we're trying to catch you up, what we have covered, and then build on that as well. So uh, now I want to take a look at the whole issue of, of, the, of oh, we want to do a testimonies here. So, here's some uh, testimonies from the, out of the Camarillo Community Church and some people sharing their stories of the impact that this whole process has had upon them. Okay. Hopefully that's motivational. I hope you are able to hear all that. Back in the back row? Okay. Good. Uh, good. Alright, let me move us along here because we're going to try to catch up on some things here. So I want to contrast now the difference between a programmatic mindset and a relational mindset when it comes to to making disciples and go into a little bit more depth. Uh, This is the the picture that I see oftentimes uh, in the the life of our churches. Oftentimes we are getting awareness that we've got a discipleship deficit in our churches. Uh, How do we come to realize that we have a discipleship deficit? Well, it uh, comes to that time of the year when you're trying to elect officers in the church. And uh, you're trying to put forth new elders and deacons. And and you're looking at, oh my gosh, our pool is really sh- shrinking here uh, in terms of the number of people that we have available for that role. Um, gosh do we keep going back and recycling the saints and going to the same people to get them to serve in in these various roles and positions realize gosh our pool is not growing it's not increasing in terms of the availability of of people for leadership roles Uh, so you got empty ministry slots that you're trying to fill gosh who's going to teach that sixth grade class this year Uh, and a bunch of boys in there they're you know tearing the place up Uh, but we're having a hard time you know finding people to do that um, maybe you're at the point where you've been an attractional church and you've been, uh, been putting on the show week in and week out. You've been putting the time into the, the program, into the music, into the drama, into the education and teaching, and uh, it's just weighing it down. And then you're looking out and saying, what is this show producing? Uh, what is happening in our people? You know, they, they come. They're enjoying what's happening, but is it really materializing into spiritual growth and reproduction uh, in people's lives? And you see yourself wearing out. Um, you know, this happens a lot. Yeah, maybe some of you have come across the book "Renovation of the Chur- or "Renovating the Church" um, by um, Carlson. And uh, he takes you through a whole process of the, of, that they've tried to re- redo their church from a consumer-oriented church to a, a spiritual formation church, um, that, that process. So you come to that conclusion and then you say, well, we've got to do something here. We've got to increase the discipleship efforts. So let's form a committee. Um, we'll form a committee to study the problem. Any Presbyterians in the room? Uh, yeah, you, you've been on committees. Uh, I'm a Presbyterian by background and uh, so the the committee has been given the responsibility of kind of scouring the country to find the latest and greatest program that there is in disciple making you locate that program uh you come back to the church and uh you announce this the start of this you know 10-week or 15-week discipleship program uh you stand up in front of the congregation and you say you all go and sign up you know for this program we're going to solve our discipleship problem and the same, what, 15 to 20 people sign up for that, that signed up for everything else, and you're still back in this, the same <laughs> difficulty as, you, as you've had. We hope that we can process people through a program, and you know, as they get out at the other end of the program, you know, kind of disciples pop out of the program, right? we we'll find out, well, that doesn't work either, in terms of program, we'll talk about these programmatic elements. And what we're trying to say is it looks more like this covenantal relationships plus time and the holy spirit within the context of that community and the microgroup uh setting that we are, are describing and through that process which is a slow process uh disciples are formed and made and reproduced in that in that context so that's this is one way to, to look at that whole thing and but this thing that sets apart is the power of personal invitation Uh, We looked yesterday at Jesus' model of how he went about selecting his disciples. And we noticed in Luke chapter 6, verses 12 and 13, that it said that Jesus spent all night in prayer. And the next day, he called his disciples to himself, and from them, he chose his 12 apostles. And prayer being integral to all that... That Jesus prayed about and just had settled on His own spirit those that He was to call, and I sort of visualized Jesus walking through that group. We don't know how big that group was, but apparently it was larger than twelve, because from that larger group He chose twelve and put His hand on on these men and called them out and called them to join Him. And I've always thought, gee, that was must have been a really interesting dynamic. Uh, if one is chosen and others are sitting there, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. what about me? You know, how come I didn't get? selected but that didn't appear to be a, a big concern on, on Jesus heart at that point but he selected he called the difference between a personal invitation looking somebody in the eye mm-hmm. and saying you know I'm starting a new group um, I've been praying about this Lord keeps putting my your name uh, is it Andy yes on on my heart. I'll do it (laughs) again. Yeah. Yeah. I want you actually to wait a week and pray about it and uh, assess your schedule. Which is this is actually what I would do, Um, and you know have somebody say, but yeah, just put it on our heart, and this is what we're trying to accomplish together. I need a group like this to help my own growth and and deepening my relationship with Christ. I can't do it alone. Can we do it together? You and probably add a couple more people to it. I'd like to consider that. Would you would you consider joining me in that that journey? And you've already said yes. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So. That That's a much more difficult invitation to turn down, I think, when you are personally inviting somebody to join you on that, that journey together, versus the mass invitation uh, that we broadcast, you know, the starting of our programs. And, uh, of course, the vast majority of people sitting out there in the, in the worship audience on a Sunday morning are thinking, well, that's for somebody else, that's not for me, until uh, you are, are invited into that, that relationship. Um, one of the uh, invitations that I include in my book, Transforming Discipleship, is from a woman. And I, I've included this, though it's not, a in a sense, a personal invitation like I've just described. She caught the spirit of what this invitation was about so well, actually in an email that she sent out. But She, she writes this, Dear friends, I am reaching out looking for a group of ladies who would like to be in an accountability group with me. We're not going to be, what are we gonna be accountable accountable for? Uh, for daily spiritual practices and looking to live like Jesus every day. Now this isn't a coffee or gossip group or even a Bible study group. I don't have a special book to read, I had to inform her of, you know, what that special (laughs) book should be. Um, Just a strong desire to know and follow Jesus better and to have some ladies I can discuss this journey with, people I can trust with the big things, mostly my dreams and my failures a place filled with love and trust, not comparison or judgment. I'm stuck right now spiritually, and maybe you are too. So if you're looking to go deeper with God and in relationship to others, I hope you will consider joining me. Yes, it's one more thing to do each week. And this is my favorite line in her note. But oh, how it could change the other hundred things you have to do. So getting that alignment right, because that's one of the things that you're going to get the response, oh, I'm too busy, I know. And most of us live right up to the edge of of our lives, don't we, we live to the margins, you know. What's one more, that's why I ask people when I invite them to join, look at your schedule. I'm asking you to add probably at least three hours to your week. Preparation time, showing up for a group. Um, Can you add three hours to your week without deleting something else? from your schedule that would be potentially less important uh, than this. So I don't want them to make a decision until they've assessed their time commitments. And she concludes, making God a priority truly is what I'm looking for. Uh, That's what I need. If you need that too, let me know. Uh, So I think she at least captured the spirit of what this this invitation is about. So let's contrast uh, the difference between a program and a relationship. Uh, You see uh, these in your notes in the bottom of page four. Uh, It's the difference between intimacy and information. Programs are about information. Let's let's accumulate more data. Uh, So ten weeks uh, of material, Uh, it's like a a teacher who has a full picture in there and you have an empty picture. Let me tell you what I know. I will take what I know and pour it into your empty picture and we'll transfer information. Does information transfer necessarily lead to transformation? No, and we've been doing this forever. Um, You know, most traditional Bible studies (laughs) are about information, learning more about Scripture. That's that's good. We certainly need the data. We need people be able to become familiar with the biblical text so that they don't feel like the book is a stranger uh, to them. And and, uh, certainly, that's that's important. But we're trying to get it down to 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 where we live. So. uh, Uh, Elisa Brit put it this way. Program was safer, more controllable, and reproducible. Less risky, less messy, less intrusive. It seemed easier to give someone an outline than an hour, a well-worn book than a window into our humanity. How easy it is to substitute informing people for investing in people. To confuse organizing people with actually discipling people. Life is not the offspring of program or paper. Life is the offspring of life. Jesus prioritized shoulder-to-shoulder mentoring because his prize was much more than information. It was integration. Uh, I think she captured that so well. Second thing here, uh, mutual participation versus one on behalf uh, of the many. So, the nature of a small group of four uh, who have come already completing their assignments. They're coming to share their insights from what they have done in terms of reflection on scripture, how they're applying it to their life. Uh, Everybody participates in that versus a program where it's one or two people that have perhaps prepared all the content and are there to dole it out uh, for you with very little expectation of those who are participating. Uh, in that, kind of like what we're doing today, I guess you know that'd be the, a good reflection on that uh, as an illustration. So mutual participation. Uh, the place where we see this the most in terms of one on behalf of the many, of course, is Sunday preaching. How many how many preachers do we have here? Uh, how much time do you put into preparing for your sermons on Sunday morning? Uh, a lot of time, right? And uh, and. What does it require of people to show up to listen to you on Sunday morning? They have to show up. Take take a guess. Uh, This is not to demean preaching. Cut it down. I've done it for many, many years. Enjoy it immensely myself. But if we think we can make disciples by preaching at people, uh, then we are greatly... um, What's the word? Diluted. Uh. <laughs> and the dilution. Because only when people get out of the crowd and into a process this, does the transformation start to take place. One of my favorite lines is to say, even Jesus, who was the greatest preacher that ever lived, did not rely on his preaching to make disciples. And we're thankful for a lot of the teaching that uh, that was recorded in the New Testament and the content of that teaching, the truth that was was communicated. But he invested in, in relationships as the way to to make disciples. Customized versus synchronized. Uh, the third element here. The. Programs are synchronized. 10 weeks to make disciples. Come to our program. And then, then you have to be at the same place, uh, and each one marching through the program. So everybody's at lesson one, everybody's at lesson two, lesson three, etc. Uh, and then at the end, you're completing the content at the end. Uh, it's very little customization. It's not brought down to right where we live. And the idea of, of three or four people being together is that you are known uniquely for who you are. You know, you look around the room here, I don't see any two people that actually look the same in this room. Amazing uniqueness. Uh, Do we allow context for people to be known, to tell their story, to share their journey? Um, People feel that they belong when they have a place to talk about the ups and downs of their, their spiritual life. We each learn and grow in different ways, have different learning styles. Uh, we have different issues that we are dealing with on our own, our own Christian walk, areas of obedience that are unique to us, uh, to our own individual journey. And then when we get a chance to share those things with each other in that context, then the Word of God can actually be pli- applied to where we live uh, our life. So uh, this is the, the value of this, to be known uh, for the uniqueness of, of who you are. And then lastly, life change versus uh, content uh, accountability. Um, so we're looking for life change accountability. Content accountability is what most programs focusing on. Did I memorize my verse? Did I fill in the blanks uh, in the workbook? Uh, did I come with my lesson prepared? That's that's only a means to an end. The larger end is life change. Is my life increasingly becoming conformed to the image and likeness of Christ and, and am I identifying those areas that are <coughs> that are out of kilter? <coughs> excuse me with that. So uh, I think this these what these kind of smaller groups are provide is that kind of, that kind of crystallization in, in that way. So, um, so how would we summarize the difference between a program and a relational mentality? What would the what would the difference between those be? Talk to each other about that. So, I, I, we always like to pause for you know capturing learning, and uh, one of the ways to capture learning is articulating things that you have just uh, heard rather than, oh, we can go right on to the next content. So talk to each other. What's the difference between uh, a a program and a relationship?
1: This question up here, why might one model, uh, a one-on-one model inhibit multiplication? What would be some limitations of a one-on-one model? Yes.
2: Nobody's ever going to feel like a Paul.
1: So, you, okay. you, with all your experience, and so you're pouring into someone, and they feel like, well, I have to, I have to wait until I'm mature like you, and, and then that takes years, and so they never end up making decisions. Yeah, and, and, and I know when I go to people in my congregation and try to talk to them about leading groups, the first thing they say is, I, I, don't, I don't have to do that. You know, uh, I can't, one on one, they have to be the, uh, the authority, they have to be the one with all the answers, and they, yeah, it's a good point yes before you multiply because only one out of four ever multiply yeah okay that's just the math there well i find i find our our percentages of multipliers a little higher than that but and we'll talk about that a little later in the session on the multiplication riddle and how you solve that because we ran into we ran into that after a while and but yeah it's it just it doesn't it doesn't multiply as well what other what other inhibitors for multiplication would you have in a one-on-one model that you can see Anything else? Yes. Okay. Yeah, a lot of more pressure in a one-on-one relationship on both parties. It would seem to me, both the, the, the multiplier and the one. I mean, the, the discipler and the disciplee. And I will
2: say, if that person can't meet, you can't meet them.
1: Yeah. There's no. There's no meeting. <laughs> there, meeting. there you go. You can't, there you go. and you can't meet, or they can't meet. You can't meet. At least if you sure. have a group of three or four, good idea. Still good, make it a weekly habit. Good observation. Good observation. Yeah. <clears throat> My groups are meeting this week. I'm gone. <laughs> My groups are still meeting. Yes, I saw him. Um, <clears throat> it really does, doesn't it? It really does. It finds a middle ground there. <clears throat> I know when I, I had small groups for a long time, did small groups, and you can just only go so far, and nobody gets to share a whole lot because there's just not enough time for everybody to really share in depth. So maybe some people do, and some people don't, some people kind of just blend into the wall after a while. Uh, they never, they never share. But <clears throat> yeah, multiplying ta- it seems to be better when you've got this kind of. And I love sitting in my group and watching them teach each other. You know, I, they, they're, they're interacting. I'm just sitting here watching and they're, they're interacting and they're coming, uh, 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 discovering truth, sharing truth, and growing right there before my eyes. There are some times when that's the only way to do it. You know, maybe the problems are too difficult or too intimate or whatever, and one-on-one is the, is the best way. But <clears throat> as far as a, uh, a consistent multiplication model, um, these quads are what we find work best. Did yeah, you have a uh,
2: just to, one-on-one one score. <clears throat> we don't want to be seen, and we are not, bashing the one-on-one relationship. There right. are different purposes for different relationships. In terms of the intentional multiplication of a discipling relationship, we find that this environment it works best. Some of us are involved in mentoring relationships, for example. So somebody has approached us and said, "Would you be my mentor?" I've got a number of those in my life. Those are one-to-one relationships. Um, so, I certainly highly value it, but it's, uh, it's about what the purpose of the relationship is about. Good. Good. Yeah. Are there
1: other comments on why the, the, the three or four situation enhances multiplication? Sure. You can turn the thing around real quick and say, okay, somebody else leads next week. And they're learning how to do it right there. Mutual encouragement. Mutual encouragement. They're going to encourage each other, and that's that. They grow deep together. You know, these these groups of four get very. Their bonds are really strong, uh, because they and they do do other things together besides just meet. You know, they do go hunting or fishing or whatever. And you, I don't want the gals do, but the guys do. You know, what do you gals, gals do? <laughs> There you go. Have coffee together. That's why those Starbucks at, bills keep coming in. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. So, and, and gals, gals. You know, I have to applaud you on this. The gals are, are built for relationships more than guys are. So, mm-hmm. it's so unique for us to find them uh, that they are really, they're really valued because they're so, they're so rare. Good. Good observations
2: here. Okay. You're next. Yep. Yeah okay well just um, you can see that on your outline at the top of page five uh where we've summarized basically the things that you've just said Uh, so i'll click them off here pretty quickly as we move on to uh, our our rep- replication riddle, multiplication riddle. So, some of the limitations of discipling are, in terms of one to one relationship, are disciple carries the full weight of responsibility. We've already mentioned that. The image that I have oftentimes used when I was doing one on one discipling, because I did that for many years, thinking that was the paradigm uh, in which it was happened, was uh, I was the mother bird, and there was a bunch of baby birds in the, in the nest, and mother bird had to go out and find morsels, and the baby birds are back there with their mouths open. Keep dropping stuff in my mouth, Uh, you know? And and that does put a lot of pressure uh, on the discipling. Sets up a hierarchy and creates dependency. Already mentioned that in terms of that that issue, the one-to-one. It's kind of, we've adopted the Paul-Timothy model as the paradigm of discipling. And so the father in the faith, the mature one in the faith is discipling the young one in the faith, the less mature one in the faith, and it's very difficult to turn that around. Um, So limited interchange, two-way dialogue, again, already mentioned that in terms of that uh, when you have more people, you have more life experience, it enriches the whole interchange. Um, uh, Restricts discipling to one model and then generally does not reproduce. Um, I'm not seeing that was one of my major frustrations with the one-on-one model. I was not seeing reproduction uh, take place. It was a lot of investment, a lot of time, um, but I wasn't somehow helping that person uh, turn around and help somebody else uh, as well. So, uh, whereas when you are doing it in triads and quads, important shifts occur from pressure on the disciple of the natural participation. That's why I felt like, okay, the focal point is off of me now. I'm a part of the group. Uh, I can just share in the journey together and not feel like I'm the one on the spot all the time. Uh, From hierarchical to relational, uh, from dialogue to dynamic interchange, again, more stories, more uh, life experience uh, being shared with each other, from limited input to wisdom in numbers, uh, that we have there, so uh, you have more life experience, more insight into scriptures that people are bringing that, and you're seeing things that you would not uh, seen otherwise. And from addition to, to multiplication occurs. So, uh, Ralph, talk to us some about uh, the reproduction riddle.
1: When I was about three years into this in our church in, in Southern California, uh, we began to see our numbers of reproductions going down. And at first, I, I targeted—I had a, two elders and a key layman in my first group. Okay, these guys are—we're picking the—we're picking the the best fruit here. And our first groups did that. We chose people to be in our groups that were already real committed, very involved, and uh, and wanting to grow. When you get down a little further, it's uh, all, those, all of a sudden the numbers start coming down. As far as those who are able to reproduce are able to reproduce as readily, and so our our percentages came down. We were at about 80 percent. We went down to about 60 percent. And noticing this, we decided the staff at our staff retreat. We were talking about this, and we said, "What, well, you know, this is we need to we need to see if we can rectify this." And so we. Uh, targeted for the next year, we said we're going to try to solve the reproduction riddle. And we came up with, uh, uh, by identifying various causes for um, no reproduction, uh, for the reproduction not to happen, and then we found solutions for a lot of those things. And so I I want to share that this morning if I can. Uh, Where did the little clicker go, and you're clicking for me? Uh, Without looking at too many of those, why don't you tell me what a barrier would be for reproduction? What are some of the barriers you found? Anyone? What would be a barrier? Time. Time. Okay. Some people just feel like, okay, I don't have the time.
0: You said we we fill all the
2: marks.
1: Yeah. We're we're scheduled up to the edge of the page. Yes?
2: Still feeling inadequate.
1: Still feelings of inadequacy. I'm not quite ready. Yeah, you've got this great thing going. Why do you want to bust this up? Let's, let's just do another study. Come on. Can't find anybody. I tried. I asked three people. They, don't, they didn't want to do it, so I, I guess I'm not going to do it. Some people don't have a motivation to grow. Yeah, that's true. Some people just don't. They, don't, they, they like where they are. They, they're going to just have to stay there. Yeah, they haven't had uh, adequate exposure. To what's going on. They don't understand. Uh, he ought, the ought the to be laying law guilt law. trips on them every Sunday. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. You, it needs to be something that's. It. This is something that's valued. Is sure. You meant- Some public uh, reaffirmation of this direction of what we're doing. Yes. Oh, the They'll beat him iPad. up because he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't say something about it. That's good. That's good. i won't talk to my pastor. We'll have a place to sign up every week. Yeah. What? I can't remember. Yeah, we lost it. We lost it. Okay, one more. Yeah, yeah. I, I completed this. I'm, I'm good. I put that on the shelf now and go on to something else. Yeah, good. Okay, what are some solutions? All right, we've talked about a number of the multiplication issues. Did you? Where did they go? There they are. Um, some barriers for, for, for reproduction. What are some solutions to these things? What do you got in FAR solutions? You heard some of the barriers? How do you Excuse me? Simplify. Simplify. What do you mean by that? The simpler
2: it is, the easier it is to reproduce.
1: Okay, so you you, you, you help them understand it such so that it's not so complex for them. Comment. Know, from the get go start having them write down names. Oh, uh, start, praying, they start for praying for names. names. There you They'll go. Okay. You a, go. Let's put this on the level of where Christ started, you know? Uh, you're gonna start a group. Let's let's start praying about this. Who are the people God's putting on your heart? Yeah, I had a guy come back in and just and say, "You know, I've asked three people and nobody wants to do it or whatever." And I'm and I'm wondering, "Okay, how is he going about this?" And so I had to dig dig into that, find out and then go with him and say, "Okay, watch me ask." And now what did I say? What did I how did I do and and let them now, Greg has on page he has a he has a, a whole model. Memorize my book. <laughs> <laughs> he has the whole model for it, and gives you the very verbiage that you can use to ask somebody to be in your group. Some recruiting
2: of them are is chapter recruiting. Chapter six, I know that. Yeah, yeah. So. If some people, you know,
1: some people just say, "Hey, we're starting a group. You want to be in?" You know, I mean, that's about as far as they go. That's not adequate.
0: Testimonials of those that have been through the process. Oh,
1: so, great! Great, having testimonies. Uh, yes, we haven't seen a, a hand in the back. Yeah, yes, ca- Pastor Clout. That's yeah. There you go. Okay. See that? There's a there's a key one we found. If if they're not quite ready yet, they don't feel like they've got the material. Have them go through another group with somebody else. Uh, So so they feel more adequate. They feel uh, better with the material. They feel more confident. So you build the confidence in them that they can do this. Uh, And the the idea about making more public, uh, making the whole system more public. We didn't say anything about our quads until we were probably two and a half, three years in. It It never got... It wasn't in the bulletin, we never mentioned it from the front, because we had plenty of people getting in. We had more people wanting to be in and we had quads for them to be in. But as we began to catch up and the quads began to multiply, now you've got people out there looking for people and they're not sure where to look. So we say stand in the lobby and jump on anybody comes in new. <laughs> uh, we we try to help them find them, and and we had one gal designated as a uh, as the quad coordinator for the ladies, and she would she just had a list of names. You you got you need quad members? Oh here here this person's indicated interest. This person we think would be interested. This person is the wife of a husband who's already in one. She'll probably be you know. So we would help them identify potential members of their quad. So helping them find the pe- right people. That's good. What else? What are the solutions? These are not mixed gendered at all. No. No. And you and to be honest, there are some who've done it and and gotten benefit. Oh, that's great. But you, there are some things that you will lose uh, from the group if you if you do it mixed gender. You, you just can't get as personal as you w- want to get. And maybe for some of that that's fine. And you know, but but for a lot of our guys, you know. Uh, that's just not sufficient. Yeah.
0: So, as male pastors, how do you get it off the ground for women if you don't? Like, how do you do
1: that? Yeah, if you got, I just said wife. <laughs> this is your part <laughs> uh, we you know we took gals that were mature and challenged them to do it and you walk alongside them without them having to be in a group first and, and they can put it together uh, I, I I read the book and did it without any ever having been through a group you know it's not impossible to do that but no.
2: uh, right, just on the, the when I first started this whole thing back in the 80s I oh, of course started with men and some, some, the women came to me and said, hey, what about us? <laughs> okay, how do you include us? And so I had this brainstorm. Uh, we've got some really mature women in this church. They're you know, highly regarded and respected by others. Let me pull together 15 and 20 of these women. On uh, Saturday morning, I gave my best you know, pitch that I could, my pep talk as to This is what we could do in terms of each one of you are respected. I want each one of you to go find two other women and get started on this process and get charted. We'll have 15 to 20 groups here instantaneously because of that. What do you think their response was to that? (laughs) Time out. (laughs) Slow down here, Greg. Uh, We have no idea what you're talking about in terms of we've not experienced this kind of groups. We don't know what those are. And you know what their recommendation was to me? take two of us and show us the process. Now, it was, it was awkward. I was there with two women, you know, uh, leading them through this process. I was, I was just thinking threes back in those days, rather than quads. And uh, so, but got them launched in, in that way, yes, we had some awkward moments in terms of the things we probably couldn't share together because of various issues. But that's one way that I was able to get that started, and that then started moving the movement uh, among women in the church. Good. Um, thanks yeah. not much um, I don't know do we have any women who have used discipleship essentials in this group in this room one no? yeah, well back there and then you is it wow. predisposed to men yes.
1: Typically, typically it's a year. Um, I think most typically, some go a year and a half. Some go a little fast, quicker than that. But I had a, I had two pastors and a high school basketball coach that wanted to speed it up, and so we sped it up, you know, for them. And they get, because they, these pastors wanted to get it launched in their churches really quick, so they wanted to get it get through. So we just we, we were doing a lesson a week and pushing through. Um, but typically, it's a it's a, it's a year.
2: And remember, we don't do the programmatic mindset. We don't launch these in September and finish them in June and keep them on the academic calendar. Each group has its own life and its own speed uh, in which it goes because the relationship is paramount. And so we're not trying to drive a program, but we're constantly trying to keep the diff- you know, balance between the relational and the, and the content side of things, you might say. But year to year and a quarter is pretty average. Someone
1: that doesn't have a... I haven't been through the material yet, so someone that's brand
2: new to
1: the faith right um, that's a slower grip do they have a do they have a vocabulary that that's good enough to go into the material
2: right away or uh, well sometimes they're learning a new vocabulary as a part of that I, I think of Mick uh, Mick was came out of a Roman Catholic background 65 years old got involved in our, our group and this was his introduction to the Protestant world uh, so <laughs> uh and he had a lot of i would say works orientation theology built into his his being Mm -hmm. and so we were constantly kind of identifying for nick that um, you know you're still trying to earn your salvation You, you hear that in your language uh in terms of your you know trying to please god so that he will accept you uh kind of kind of language we took about 18 months in that group because we had a lot of rabbit trails to run down because of Mick's inquiring mind, um, and so because he was a very thoughtful kind of guy, he was constantly asking questions, and we wanted to pay attention to those questions. You know, on part of that so, time,
1: yeah. And as you choose the people going in, that's uh, that's a determinate determinant factor as to how fast you'll be able to proceed. Uh, if you get one of my guys, he's the was the evangelist on our staff. I mean, he just he talked to people all the time, leading them to Christ. And when we start, he started his quad. He got all of his brand new believers. Well, it took him a lot longer to go through, and then when it came reproduction time, he had to do it in the same restaurant where he was with one group, and they were with other groups and around different tables, and he was there to be asked questions and stuff because they were just really young. Um, but that does play a
0: role. You've been listening to the Disciple Makers podcast. The message you just heard was from the Global Discipleship Initiative track at the National Disciple Making Forum. Download their free PDF that summarizes how they teach people to do micro-discipleship groups, which are made of three or four people. Download it at discipleship.org global. That's discipleship.org global. You'll find dozens of other great discipleship resources at discipleship.org as well. May the Lord bless you as you seek to grow as a disciple maker.